0: blueprint for success podcast i'm holly smithson athena ceo and your host for today's podcast brought to us by our partners at qualcomm and in our studio today, I'm really excited to have Shonda Owens. She is the VP of Quality at Q Health and a really fascinating background. And we're really excited to have you share your story and share some best practices and a whole lot of inspiration for other women that would love to follow in your path. So welcome. Thank you, Holly. I'm really excited to be here today as well. So well, so tell us, so I'm really, I'm always interested. So you have um, obviously an academic career in chemical engineering um, at Berkeley, uh, really impressive run at Johnson & Johnson for almost 20 years. Tell us some of the access points and some of the um, sort of influences that allowed you to pursue this, this career. Yeah, um, people always
1: ask me, you know, chemical engineering, how did you decide to be a chemical engineer? And I have to tell people, it kind of fell into it a little bit, I was going to be a doctor. I uh, spent my entire career in medical devices. And I thought, I want to help people. I was always about wanting to do that. And I took an anatomy class and I fainted. And I was like, I'm not so sure I can be a doctor. Blood oozing out of people wasn't my jam, wasn't for me. And I thought, how can I help people? My father is a chemical engineer. And I thought, I like chemistry. I really, really like math. You know, I was one of those kids that, you know, was like a nerd growing up, love math, love science. And I thought, okay, I can, I can do chemical engineering. But I didn't really know that I was going to do medical devices and be in the medical device industry until I one day saw my grandfather struggling with uh, diabetes. And um, my mom's from Georgia. So I was in Georgia at their house and he had a, a one touch meter and he couldn't quite figure out, you know, how to stick his strips in. And I saw him struggling with it, and I thought, huh. I could design that better. I could look at doing those things differently. And I was probably sophomore year in college at that point. And I looked up Johnson and Johnson and I, you know, called their recruiters and I was like, I, I want to come work for you. I want to have an internship there. And I, I hassled them, you know, I didn't take no for an answer. I finally got an interview and I started as a, a intern at Johnson Johnson and then, you know, graduated and, and never looked back. And so that's kind of how I started Medical Devices. So it's about having a passion for something. And in that case, it was a passion for, for diabetes management. It's something that runs in my family. And it was about, you know, saying, how can I look at something? How can I do it better?
0: So I, <laughs> one of the things that uh, I, I find to be the common thread with a lot of, um, women in STEM is there's this just natural um, desire to pursue that passion you talked about. Um, but taking the initiative and really making it happen is something that's just obviously a part of your constitution. But for women that may, may have a little bit more reservation, um, what do you say to them in terms of Particularly when women have such a you know low representation within the field of STEM, how do you actually break through in in a way that um, is effective without sort of making you feel like an outsider?
1: Yeah, no, it's a good question. And uh, you know, I started at Berkeley, and there wasn't a lot of um, women in engineering program. There wasn't a lot of Black women in engineering program. And so I think for me, it was about having a passion for something, but also finding where you belong, right? I had a lot of great um, classmates, right? I joined the Black Engineering Science and Students Association. I found a team of people that supported me and helped me get through the program. And I always say, you can't do it alone and you don't have to. I feel like sometimes we're embarrassed when we struggle or we don't want to admit that we're having challenges and we try to do it alone. And so for me, it's like really important to find your people and that doesn't have to be the same race or even the same sex It's the people that you feel comfortable with, people who support you, people who help you be vulnerable and be able to kind of say where do you need some help and where do you need to move forward. So to me, that was what was important. Um, Berkeley wasn't easy. Uh, Anybody who's gone to Berkeley can tell you it wasn't easy. All of us have had challenges. There's been times where I felt I wasn't going to be able to push through. But I had a support group with me, and whether that was the administration or whether that was my friends or my other colleagues, it was about finding those individuals that support you and can keep you motivated to move forward.
0: Um, let me let me ask you this: so, so you know, inevitably there are going to be speed bumps in everybody's career. I don't, I don't, I don't care what you know, uh, field. I don't care what background, what gender. But it's it's oftentimes that diver, uh, that that challenge that builds that leadership muscle within you, right? So um, can you share an instance where there was just a, a real big uh, crevice in the path in, in front of you and what you were able to do and leverage in order to get to the other side? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I think with everybody's careers,
1: right, you have peaks and you have valleys. I think one of the, the valleys that I had was really came down to, again, not having somebody who was very supportive. So I was doing great in my career, at least I thought I was doing great. And then I got a new, a new director in the team, and um, was a guy. And he didn't really think a lot of women engineers, and didn't come right out and say it. It was the microaggressions. It was the hello, honey, hello, sweetie, or me being the only one having to take meeting minutes in the meetings that we were at, or every single time you had an idea, it being questioned, but you look around and none of the men or his ideas are getting questioned, and. I think the drawing point was where I had an idea, question can't do it, and somebody else spoke up and said the exact same idea. Great idea, Bob. And I think at the time, it was, it was demoralizing. And for me, my immediate approach to that was, well, I'm not going to deal with it. Um, I don't have to deal with it. I'm not going to deal with you. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to just do my job. You stay over here. But the problem with that was then I wasn't getting my job done because this individual I needed to work with. I had to do things. So if I don't show up to a meeting where he's at, then I'm the one who's not doing what I need to do. And I think what pulled me out of that was actually another woman. So another engineering woman who was a director in the group who'd worked with me in the past, who was going to those meetings and where I was getting reviewed and they're saying, well, she doesn't show up to meetings or she's not listening to what we have to say. And she's like, oh, this is not Shanda. And she reached out to me and said, what's going on? And then I told her and I didn't Think to voice my opinion sooner. I didn't, I thought I just had to take it. And the only way for me to adjust was to kind of just, you know, go inside myself and just do my work over here and and just not deal with that side of it. And she was the one who said, no, you have to speak up. You have to say you're not going to do this. You have to show up to those meetings and you have to be strong. You don't dim your light for somebody else. And I'm here and I support you. I know what kind of work you've done and I'll be here for you. And that was a real turning point in my career. Um, And at the end of the day, I'm still standing, right? That individual, I don't know where they're at now in their career, but they're not where I'm at. I think that's what's really important. I think we all have that moment where we think we're not good enough. Like, do I really belong here? This person doesn't seem to think that I belong here. And I think my initial approach was similar to a lot of people was to not speak up, to kind of accept it and um, having somebody out there who said no you don't have to accept it so for me that's what i try to do now i try to say hey how am i that person that can pull somebody up who can say hey this is not right we have to create an inclusive environment we have to make sure that everybody's feeling heard and so yeah i think that was probably one of the lowest points that i had in my career where i actually almost thought about quitting like i was going to leave engineering i was going to leave medical devices and do something different
0: well it's interesting uh you know here in San Diego, hometown to the Navy SEALs, uh, we often hear this mantra: uh, "Embrace the suck." And uh, and when you were sharing your story, it just it came to my mind. It's like, okay, these are the circumstances. I'm in the minority. Uh, this doesn't really. I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. So my only option is to embrace the suck. You know, it's to normalize this this very um, unhealthy work environment. That's your that's you sort of you surrender, like you you know, where you are in your career, that's what occurs to you is just suck it up. And that's not sustainable. Nobody wins, everybody loses, but in that moment, that was what occurred to you. Yeah, and I didn't know differently, right? And I'm I come
1: from a very you know strong family. And so even though you have support system at home, if you don't have that same support system in the work environment where you're working, it's a different environment. And so I thought about it, I was like, I would never do that at home with any one of my cousins who were challenging me. I'd be like, no, you know what I mean? So why in the work environment, am I gonna let it happen? And so it it, it definitely was a learning lesson for me, but it was a learning lesson also as a woman, a black woman, as somebody who's a vice president at a company to make sure that I'm also thinking about that and I'm looking out for other individuals and I'm making sure that I'm always creating a culture and not just for women, but for men as well, um, that they can feel hurt, um, because we come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. It's not just about being a female or being black. It's about all different types of things. So like, how do you identify? Um, you know, what's your background? Where did you come from? You know, what was your experiences before you got to here? And that all of that brings a different dynamic that can create insecurities and a feeling of not belonging. And so, for me, I think it's really important for you to recognize that. You do belong, you were hired for a reason, you have a seat at the table. We have to all figure out how to get over our imposter syndrome and, you know, uh, you know, fake it till you make it is what I say. I say you were here for a reason, you continue to move forward, and if you fail, great, you learn from it, you move on.
0: Well, your your advice or or at least just sort of the the instinct in that moment when it didn't feel like the, you know, the odds were against you, you're like, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to dim my light." And just, you know, to all the people that are listening or watching this podcast that work in a team or manage a team, think about if everybody took on that response to dim their light. Right? You have complete underutilization of talent. You have complete underperformance by people that you've hired and you've gone out and you've brought, you built this wonderful team. And then when they are faced with an environment that is not productive, that is not inclusive, it's not you know, then everybody dims their light. No, like nobody wins.
1: Nobody wins. Um, nobody brings a hundred percent of themselves. Um, you don't feel safe or secure at work. You don't deliver, right? You're just clocking a you know a clock. That's all you're doing. You're like, okay, it started at nine, is at five. But when people are passionate about what they do, when they feel like they're included, when they feel like they're learning and they're challenged. It's just amazing what you'll do. So I'm a person who likes challenge. When I feel like I'm challenged, that I feel like I'm learning, I can go 10, 12 hours. Not that that's healthy. I'm not saying that out there. There should also be work-life balance and I'm learning that. Um, But it's something that you could do. But I can also tell you when I was dimming my light, I was going home at three. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you don't get the best out of the people who will work with you. So just to me, what's really important, what I've learned throughout my career is that authenticity, inclusion, diversity. It really does mean something. It's not just about lip service. It's about action. It's about being purposeful and making sure that you're doing it every day, not just in recruiting. It's not just getting people there. It's also in the meetings. Are you asking people, what's your opinion? Are you saying, hey, I haven't heard from you. (laughs) Give me your opinion. Are you making sure you understand what do they
0: like to do? What are they good at? And put them in those roles it's so, it's so interesting because on its, excuse me, on its face, it just seems so logical and so reasonable to want to optimize all of the talent that you have assembled in a team or a business unit. And yet the realities are so different because of these longstanding biases and the discrimination and the cultures that allow, um, these biases to perpetuate. And, um, and so, as we all become a more evolved leader, right, and that's really the yeah. goal—that we're constantly growing, right? That's the whole reason why businesses uh, show up; they they have to grow their bottom line and grow their value. But the employees have to grow in that same in that same fashion. And so, I love that. I I'd, I'd love for you, if you were to go back in time and talk to the younger Shannon, what what would be the biggest, um, I guess, the the biggest driver that you wish you had known then that you know now that may benefit the the folks uh, listening to this podcast?
1: I would say it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Um, Some of the best assignments that I've had that have really springboarded my career are assignments that I was really nervous about taking. You know, I took an assignment to move to Puerto Rico, and I was really nervous about doing that. Am I going to be able to fulfill the role? Am I going to be able to do everything they want me to do? Um, and it ended up being the, one of the best assignments that I've ever had. It got me global experience. It got me an opportunity to step outside of my shell, to learn how to work in a different culture, all skills that I use today in my job. Um, so anytime I'm feeling it's A little bit uncomfortable. It's not a slam dunk. I'm like, this might be the opportunity for me because that's when you grow. You grow when you're stretching yourself a little bit. Don't break, but a little bit of strain is good. And I would say earlier on in my career, I was like, unless I was a hundred percent ready for the job, I didn't apply. And I think that's a mistake. And I think it's a mistake a lot of women in STEM make. I think that you have to tell yourself you don't have to be a hundred percent there. You know, do you have a passion for it? Do you meet the minimum requirements? Apply, go for it. Feel a little bit uncomfortable. It it, it will benefit you. And I wish I had done it sooner.
0: Yeah, and you know, so so they say you know fear that discomfort is generally there's 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 fear um, kind of kind of behind that um, discomfort, and then working working through the fear, right? Um, doing it notwithstanding the fear is is the definition of of courage. And once you do it once, you start to build that courage muscle, start to go a little flex, yeah. flex, a little <laughs> e- easier, easier every time, <laughs> but seeing, but seeing, you know, women like you doing it right. Like, okay. Yeah. It was wildly uncomfortable, but I did it anyway. I'll figure it out. I'm super confident. I'm super passionate and I'm really bright. So of course I'm going to figure it out. And when, and when I don't have it figured out, I've got a team, that's why we have teams. Right. And, and sometimes we forget that really basic logical sort of um, equation. I mean, that's why teams come together to solve really complicated um, problems. And when we think we have to have it all figured out, you're not going to be the team. You are a part of the team. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole beauty of having all these different, diverse perspectives and backgrounds and expertise, so that you can solve these complicated problems. And I and I get fear is irrational. It's not. It's not rational. It's not logical. So I understand. But it's really important to hear that and to see that. And obviously, it worked for you. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it, it has, and it's kind of like now. It's my barometer when I'm looking for a new opportunity or a new job. I'm like, am I a little bit scared? <laughs> Do I feel like I know everything? Because I feel like I know everything, then maybe it's not going to be enough of a challenge. And if I want to grow and continue to grow as a leader, I need I need a little bit of challenge.
0: Yeah, and I think I think I think it's fair to say uh, for the science and tech and engineer uh, listeners in the audience, most of them are driven by that sense of curiosity. Yeah, we want to know how
1: things work. I was taking things apart as a kid, right? That's what you do. You know, you want to understand why. My parents hated me. I asked why all the time for anything and everything. And so it's that natural curiosity, which is what's driving you. And if you already know the answer, you already know how to do it. Is it going to really be something you're passionate about? We spend way too much time at work not to be passionate about what we do.
0: Amen. Okay. So I have to ask you, so it's, you know, this year is Athena's 25th anniversary of serving our mission to advance a million okay. women uh, in STEM and their leadership journey. And so it's really, really awesome to be able to showcase the stories of women like you um, talking about the different uh, ways that you were able to come and contribute to the world of STEM. I I have to ask you what to, to the to the folks in the audience that are listening, that are contemplating Um, a STEM career or STEM education, or might even be reevaluating, do I really belong as a woman in STEM in this field? What do you say um, to those women, and what do you see on the horizon? I say um, you have to ask yourselves,
1: do do you want this as a passion? Because I feel like if you love what you're doing, you have to find a way to continue to do it. And don't let anybody ever take that away from you. So that's the first thing. Do you love it? Is there a passion? And it's actually okay. I got a degree in chemical engineering. I started off as a process engineer on the manufacturing floor. I'm now in quality. You can make pivots within STEM. So you don't have to just be doing hardcore engineering or hardcore science. You can apply it. Being an engineer, being in STEM, what does it mean? It means that we can think logically. We have analytical skills. We are able to figure out processes. Solve problems creatively, you can take that stem degree and you can tra- translate it to anything. So I also say just because you didn't stay in science or you didn't stay directly in engineering doesn't mean that you're not still in stem It doesn't mean you didn't take those skill sets and do different things with it, so I first ask myself why are you there and do you enjoy what you do. My sister is a PhD in chemical engineering and she loves research. And that is what she loves to do. And she loves to be super technical. And I think it's interesting because I loved chemical engineering as well. Not as much as she did because I didn't go on to get my PhD, but I took it in a different direction than she did. So it's just about where's your passion? And you, with a degree in STEM, you can go anywhere. You can translate that to any field and you can't do it the opposite way around. And so what I say is understand what your passion is, If you love the technical aspect, the tinkering with things, the designing aspect, the creating, the innovating, that's okay. But if you love the application, if you love the leadership piece of it, if you love taking the logical skills of being process-based, that's okay too. I know sometimes I had to struggle with that whole, well, am I giving up on STEM because I'm taking something that is a different aspect of it? But I'm not. I'm in quality, I get to work directly with the R&D engineers, with the engineers, I have to have a technical aptitude in order to do my job, and what I does makes a difference, and so I think it's just all about knowing what makes you passionate, and following that.
0: Awesome, yeah, I, I can't think of um, a, a better um, <clears throat> advice, and really understanding your North Star, and um because that guides everything and, and, and really getting clear, having that clarity and the certainty, um, on your values and how do you want to take your God-given talents and give them to the world? And clearly you figure that out <laughs> and i pretty, pretty, well, it wasn't easy and it's
1: been over 20 years. So everybody has a journey. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your journey and sharing your story and uh, really, really impressed, inspired. And I really appreciate you sharing and being a part of our podcast.
1: I appreciate you for having me and for what you guys do. These programs are really important because they bring awareness and they go back to kind of what my first step was. It's a place where people belong. They can find the people that support them and it's really important. So hopefully this conversation helps somebody, but it
0: helped me, so Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And that wraps up this edition of Athena's Blueprint for Success podcast, brought to us by our partners at Qualcomm. And we'll see you at next month's podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Holly.